Hello, and welcome back to Longtime Listeners. Welcome to the podcast if you're here for the first time. I'm glad you're here. I'm your host, Tina Gosney, a family relationship coach, and this is the Coaching Your Family Relationships podcast, where you will learn how to think, feel, and do differently in the way you show up with yourself so that you can be different in your relationships with your family. Break your patterns, change their relationship. I'll be starting a new series in this podcast soon. It's called Ask Me Anything, and this is your opportunity to get coached on anything, including your difficult family relationships, but not limited to your difficult family relationships issues. There's a link in the show notes to a Google form where you can submit a question and I will read it on the podcast and answer you on the podcast. Now, if you would like to come on and be coached on the podcast, you'll get more personalized help and you can remain anonymous. That's not a problem, but this is your chance to get coached for free. So if you are interested in doing this, make sure you click the link in the show notes and go fill out that form. It's pretty easy to fill out. I also have a breathing class coming up later this month. And yes, I'm sure that you already know how to breathe because you're still alive, but this is a breathing intentionally, breathing for uh, helping us with overwhelm and stress and anger and anxiety. We're going to find a lot of benefits and start feeling better right away. From this breathing class. I'm going to teach you several different breathing strategies. We'll practice them together in the workshop. It's also learning some things about your body and why your body is doing what it's doing. When you feel stressed, overwhelmed, ang- angry, or anxious, your body is not your enemy. It's your friend and your teacher. And when you start to understand what's going on for you, you can start to learn from it. I'll teach you some really practical coping skills And especially when you get in those really reactive emotions like anxiety and overwhelm and stress and anger, this is a paid workshop and the cost is just $49. I've kept it really low because I wanted to spread these skills to as many people as possible. I wanted to keep it really accessible. I don't want cost to be a factor. You're going to come away from this workshop with a 30 day breathing plan that you can use after the class is over. This is going to be so helpful. This does not need to end after the three days. You're going to have a plan to go forward and what to do after those three days are over. It's going to be really, really good. So click the link in the show notes. This is the last podcast in a series that I'm doing for parents about when your child leaves the LDS church. I really hope that this series has been helpful for you if you've been following along. I've talked to many, many parents in this situation, and I've seen the heartbreak that they are experiencing, and my my heart truly goes out to you and how much pain you are in. And I know for me, when I'm going through a difficult situation, it's really helpful for me to be able to focus my attention on just the key things that I need to know, the key things that are the most important. And there's, there's always so many things more that we could do than just those key things, right? And sometimes when we start making a list of all the things that we should be doing and the things that we could be doing, it gets overwhelming very quickly. So my purpose in this co- podcast is to give you a few things to focus on that will give you the best results for your efforts. Just a place to put your focus in the first place, right? Now, you might have something to add to this list. And if you do, that is wonderful. Add it to your list but these are the things that I've seen that will help most people. 
And I always encourage my clients to listen to their own inner wisdom and personal revelation. If something is speaking to you in your heart and in your intuition, just listen to it and follow that. There's a reason that you're hearing those things and feeling those things. It's very easy when your child leaves the church and you're really struggling, it's very easy to get caught up in what other people are telling you that you should be focusing on. It's easy to get caught up in what your brain is telling you, what your what your own brain is telling you, and what you think your life should have looked like, which is also known as the story that you told yourself years ago about what your family was going to look like at this time. And it's easy to get caught up in comparison. Comparison is such a thief to us in our lives. So I hope you listened to my podcast last week because I really talked about that if the things that you are focusing on are not bringing you into more love and connection in your relationships with God, your children and others, and yourself, then they are not seeds you should be planting. This was a podcast on harvesting good fruit. So if you haven't listened to that, I suggest you go and listen to that. I think it's a very good companion episode with this one. And I think for me, it's very helpful for me to focus on just a small handful of things. And I remind myself of those things when my brain starts taking me into tangents and into worst case scenarios, which it's very easy to go there at times. So here's the list. I'm going to go with number, there's five things. I'm going to give you number five first. Number five is be a safe place for your child. The reason I say this is because they are going to be asking themselves questions like, do my parents care about me? Do my parents still care about me now that I've left the church? Will they be here for me when I need them? Do they care about what I care about? Am I safe to be myself with them? Now, they probably are not even going to be aware that they are asking themselves these questions but they are subconsciously. And so are you. So are all of us. All of us are asking those types of questions in a general way, no matter who we are around or what our circumstances. Does this person care about me? Will they be here when I need them? Is it safe to be myself here? Our bodies are constantly scanning our environment, looking and searching for safety. We all want safety in our relationships. We want to know that it's safe to be authentically ourselves. And our bodies just automatically do this for us. This is something that's so biologically programmed in us that we have no idea that we're doing it, but we react from it all the time. We can feel it when we are not accepted. We can feel it when we are accepted. I want you to think of someone that you feel completely safe with. Someone that you know you can be 100% authentic yourself around. If you're like most people, you don't have anyone that it provides that for you. Not a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend. If you do have that, if someone came to your mind, you are so fortunate. Be grateful for that. It takes a lot of work in a relationship to get to that kind of safety. And it doesn't just happen because you have a relationship like a child or a parent or a spouse. It happens because you make it happen. 
with effort, consistent effort over time. And do you want to know how to create that type of safety in your family with your children? Well, I want you to listen to the next four things that you need to do and start working on those. Here's number four, and that is move in closer. You know, our when we have something painful that happens to us and it causes a painful emotion in our body, what is natural is to draw ourselves away and to protect and to stop doing things. Well, when we draw ourselves away from a person who has just told us some very vulnerable information, that does not create a safe relationship for them. We don't feel safe. They don't feel safe. And so we want to move in closer. This is harder to do because it's going to seem like it's against your natural inclinations uh, that your emotions are telling you to do. But moving in closer is very important. You want to do things like listen without being defensive. Ask questions and listen. Don't be defensive about the answers. Be open-minded. And don't try to explain your point of view if they're telling you something that is hard for you to hear. Listen without trying to change their mind. Stephen R. Covey talks about influencing people. And if you want to influence someone, you let them influence you first. This means you listen and are interested in what they are saying. You drop your defenses. You are asking questions that are genuine and curious. You're willing to consider that what the other person is saying as their perspective that's different than yours, but not less than or wrong. Not so long ago, and I'm sure this still happens plenty of times, but when someone expressed a doubt about the church or would tell someone that they were leaving the church, a very common response was to bear testimony. Well, even our church leaders have now said, this is not helpful. Do not do this. It is actually very disconnecting and dismissive to the other person to do that. If you want to bear a testimony, bear it with how you live your life and how you demonstrate unconditional love. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Be the person who is speaking so loudly of love through their actions that it doesn't even matter what you say. You don't have to get the words right. You don't have to know what to say. Your actions can speak that for you. It doesn't matter if you don't agree with them. The biggest influence you can have on them is to be a person who lives the gospel and patterns their life after Christ. Meet them where they are. Be interested in what they are interested in. I think of The Chosen and how I just love the way that they portrayed Jesus in that show. He meets people where they are. He doesn't require them to be any different for him to love them and to be interested in him, in them and want to be around them. That's important. Another thing you can do to move in closer— is to celebrate their life in a new way. Now, you're probably not going to be celebrating things like baby blessings and baptisms and primary programs and ordinations and temple marriages. That doesn't mean you don't get to celebrate. There will be plenty of milestones to celebrate that have nothing to do with church activity. Find those and celebrate them. And if you have some children that have left the church, and you have some children that are active, and the children that are doing things that are active, like baby blessings and baptisms and ordinations and temple marriages, their 
celebrations are not more important than your child who has left the church that is not doing those things. Do not make a difference in the way that you celebrate their lives because they are equally important and those children are equally important. Find new family traditions and shared meanings. So many family gatherings and traditions center around spiritual holidays. And if this isn't an option for you anymore, find and create new family traditions. There's the Gottmans, the, who are the nation's leading relationship experts. And one, they say that one of the foundational pieces of strong relationships is finding a shared meaning and rituals. And so you want to think about what are the shared meanings and rituals that we now have in our lives that we can build strong relationships in our family through. You know, I didn't know how important some things that we had done as a family were to my kids until I tried to change some things. And I found out really fast how important those things were. These weren't things that I considered even to be tradition, but my kids did. They were just things that we did, like uh, turning up the music really loud and cleaning the house together on Saturday morning, and maybe having a bonfire on Halloween and inviting the neighbors, things like this. You know, rituals of connection are important, and you never know what your children, even the grown ones, consider important until you ask them. Now, if you need to, create new ones that can include everyone, that are not exclusive to anyone. Number three is stay at the tree. This refers to Lehi's dream of the tree of life. In 1 Nephi chapter 8, and I'm combining several different verses here, it says, I partook of the fruit, and it filled my soul with exceedingly great joy. Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, for I knew it was desirable above all other fruit. I beheld Sariah, Sam, and Nephi, and they stood as if they knew, knew not whether they should go. And I beckoned unto them with a loud voice that they should come unto me and partake of the fruit. Did you notice that Lehi did not leave the tree? He did not leave the tree to go get them. He saw them wandering. He saw Laman and Lemuel wandering as well. He did not leave the tree to go get them. And I want to clarify here that the tree represents the love of God. The tree is not the church. Let them know how much God loves them because they can see and feel how much you love them. If they have trouble seeing love through you, they will have trouble seeing the love that God has for them. This is about the relationship that you have with God and you showing them how much joy you receive from that relationship and passing that on to them. When they see that, that's, that is being a person that is, is capable of influencing another person. I took a course a couple of years ago, and the instructor, who was a, was a therapist, said, sometimes we impose another face on the face of God. And that face is not a loving and encouraging face. And when we do that, God becomes very scary. And we have trouble connecting with him. And he actually, it's kind of like trauma response when we think of God. And I've actually coached people that have struggled with this. Think about how you are being a representative of God. Don't use fear and shame 
in God's name to try to influence or control your child. Don't let that be you. Even if it was you in the past, you can work now to be different and more loving and accepting. Number two is focus on the good fruits and the thoughts and feelings and actions that you have that bring you closer to the love of God, love of your child, and love of others, and yourself are good fruit. These things, the thoughts and feelings of that you have of how things should be different, judgment of yourself or your child or others, comparison to others, shame, these are not good fruit. We need to focus on the future. The future guides us to know what to pay attention to today. If we have no future vision, we're going to be stuck repeating what we have right now over and over and over again. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish and staying the same is perishing. We need to have a vision of the future and where we are going. If you want more help with this, listen to last week's podcast because there was a lot more there about how to recognize and to create good fruit, how to recognize the good fruit. Sometimes the things that the things that we think are going to create good fruit in our lives actually create the opposite. So go and listen to last week's episode. That one is goes into this one in more depth. And here's number one. You ready for the number one thing that you should be doing to help yourself when your child leaves the church? And that is deal with yourself first. Now, you might be telling yourself that this situation should not be happening because you we're supposed to have, you did everything perfectly and there's no reason that things are happening the way that they are. And you can't have, you can't possibly have any empty chairs because you did all the right things. You sacrificed so much of your life to make sure you had no empty chairs in heaven. You're thinking, I did everything right. This is not fair. This is not the future that I was told that I would have if I did the things that I did. Well, when you are telling yourself these types of things, you are experiencing a lot of dirty pain. There's clean pain and there's dirty pain. And if the church is important to you, it's going to be painful when your child leaves. But you can make that experience and that pain dirty by how you react to it, or you can make it clean by how you react to it. Denying reality and telling yourself that things were supposed to be different adds more suffering on top of suffering. And when we do this, we take on a very closed and limited mindset. It actually shuts down part of our brain that might be helpful to us at this time. This is dirty pain. It adds pain on top of pain. Clean pain is accepting what is. It's accepting reality, even if it's not a reality that you want. It's saying to yourself, I wish it was different and this hurts. And that makes sense. It's okay that it hurts. With clean pain, we don't add an extra helping of pain on top of what we're already experiencing by rejecting reality. So another thing that we do here in dealing with yourself first requires letting your children to not be a reflection of you, but letting them be their own person with their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own wants and desires, their own struggles and their own accomplishments. 
And most parents don't even know that they are doing this. They are requiring that their children be a reflection of them, and they're measuring their worth off of what their child is doing. But actually, it's more common for parents to do this. If you are thinking and feeling that your children are a reflection of you, that is more common than not. And it's more common for mothers than it is for fathers. So if this is you, go back and listen to any of the episodes that I've done with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife because we talk about this quite often. I love the book, Living an Examined Life, Wisdom for the Second Half of the Journey by Dr. James Hollis. He has a whole chapter on this. It's called Free Your Children from You. I wanted to read a quote from this book because this is what we should be reaching for as we allow our children to not be an extension of us. Dr. James Hollis says, I truly believe that the history of the world would change if we could just imagine parents healthy enough, wise enough, mature enough, evolved enough to say to their growing children something like the following, who you are is terrific. You are here to become yourself as fully as you can. Always weigh the costs and the consequences of your choices as they affect others. But you are here to live your journey, not someone else's, and certainly not mine. I am living my journey, so you won't have to worry about me. You have within you a powerful source. Call it your instinct, your intuition, your gut wisdom, which will always tell you what is right for you. Serve that. Respect that. Be generous to yourself and others, but always live what is right for you. Life is really rather simple. If you do what is right for you, it's right for you and others. If you do what is wrong for you, it will be wrong for you and others. Knowing that we may not always agree on things, and that is fine because we are different people, not clones. Always know that I will respect you and value you, no matter your choices. And you will always find here people who love you and care for you. If we are ever going to free our children, as we wish to be freed from the web of our parents may have spun for us, we have to generate our own lives. And if we really do love our children as we profess, then we have to free them of our expectations that they live like us. When we can get to the point where we can say something like that and know and feel that within ourselves, we know that we have freed our children to live their own lives and that we are not requiring that they be a reflection of our own worth and value. That leads me into the next piece of this. Dealing with yourself is to deal with your emotions without discharging them onto your child or onto anyone else. Feelings of fear, anger, shame, blame, and worry, they are coming from the way that you are thinking. The way you are thinking is coming from many things. The way you think comes from many different things, including how you were raised and and you were told was the right way to live, and from your own personal experiences too. That's important. Those things shaped the way that you think. But your thinking creates your emotions, and your emotions are yours and not anyone else's. You create your emotions with your thoughts. And emotions are truth-tellers. They are never wrong. They go hand-in-hand with the way that you are thinking. And so part of dealing with yourself is recognizing that you are the one who creates your, your own emotions and you are the one who can learn to process them. Processing your emotions does not mean you unleash them and get them out. 
This is what we call reacting to your emotions. Processing your emotions is much, much different than that. And there's a whole podcast episode on this that I will link in the show notes, all about processing emotions. So deal with your emotions because they are yours. No one else caused them and no one else is responsible for them but you. Here's your takeaways for today. I'm just going to recap those five things. Number five, be a safe place. Number four, move in closer. Number three, stay at the tree. Number two, focus on the good fruit. Number one, deal with yourself first. Now, I hope this series has been helpful for you. And if you need help learning how to use these five steps in your family, please contact me and let's set up a time to talk. Don't forget to register for the breathing workshop coming up later this month, especially if you are having trouble feeling better, especially if you have emotions that are on a roller coaster and you don't know how to get off, especially if you're wanting a way to start feeling more in control of your own life again, sign up for the workshop. I'm going to teach you some simple breathing steps that you can start using that very day. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And until then, Have a great week.